John chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse uh, 20 this morning. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these things, these know that you have sent me. I made known, made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. Ask that you would teach us this morning. Ask that you would transform us this morning. Ask that you would give us a vision of life according to your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. First person that can bring me a clean peanut gets the rest of the Snickers that are left. Go. I'm serious. First person that can bring me a clean peanut. I'm kidding. Slow down, slow down, slow down. But you can open your Snickers bar and have your Snickers, or you can have your popsicle, whatever you call that thing, sucker with caramel, or the other healthier candy bar among us this morning. Now, how many of you this morning, if I asked, would consider yourself like a peanut in a Snickers bar, or you'd consider yourself more like a peanut in a peanut jar? A peanut in a peanut jar or a peanut in a Snickers bar? What's the difference? A peanut in a peanut jar is what? Just a peanut. You can grab a peanut pretty clearly out of a peanut jar and grab nothing else and come away with what? The taste of a peanut. Now, this morning, if I asked you, though, to bring me a peanut out of your Snickers bar, the chance of me getting a peanut without someone's DNA is probably pretty slim. Because I'm not going to get just a peanut. I'm also going to get some melted chocolate, maybe some caramel. So the peanut in the Snickers bar is vastly different than the peanut in the peanut jar. This morning, I believe that God's word is telling us that we need to be a peanut in the Snickers bar rather than a peanut in a peanut jar. Today, God teaches us from John chapter 17 through Jesus' prayer that we should be so intertwined with one another and with God that when someone gets us, they get other people with us and God alongside of us. You see, from God's word and the way that God views us, we're not alone. We're never alone, but we were built for community. We were meant to live in close-knit relationship with God himself and with one another. This morning, as we plumb the depths of John chapter 17, we're going to find some things that are mysterious in nature. We're going to find some of the greatest doctrines, teachings that are taught in the Christian church that are the hardest to understand but have radical implications for our lives. Jesus is praying for something absolutely amazing to happen in our lives in John chapter 17. He's praying that we would be one with him and the Father and we would be one with one another. In other words, we'd be a peanut in a Snickers bar rather than a peanut in a peanut jar. 
John chapter 17, the very first thing we see here as we're wondering about Jesus praying is that Jesus is praying that we would be one with God. Look with me at verse 21 in John chapter 17. Verse 21, Jesus starts by saying, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is praying, Father, I pray that the followers, Jesus is praying for his followers, he's saying, Father, I pray that my followers would be in us. If you read John chapter 17 in totality, and you read the whole Gospel of John in totality, you'll never come upon this statement, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that as the Trinity. Most of us who have been in church for a long time are pretty familiar with that equation. When we say God, we mean Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yet John brings it up nowhere. The Trinitary thought is not found anywhere in the Gospel of John. It's not found in 1 John anywhere. But there's something radical in John. It's not Father, Son, Spirit. It's Father, Son, Follower. The Trinity includes us. Jesus is praying right here in verse 21 that we would be one with him in the Father. In other words, Jesus is praying that we would live at the head table at the divine banquet. We'd be in, we're invited into the Trinity itself. Now, the Trinity is extremely complicated. When we say the Trinity, we mean that we believe in one God, yet in three distinct persons. Okay, logically that doesn't work. And at least where I went to school, mathematically, there's no way to make this work. Three equaling one. But we believe that there's three distinct beings, yet one God. And now we see Jesus praying that it's not Father, Son, Spirit, it's Father, Son, followers in this relationship. So the Trinity, we believe that there's this continuous relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they're one together. John, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Nowhere else in the book of John do we find any statements about the Holy Spirit being one with God the Father or God the Son. The Gospel of John teaches us that the work of the Holy Spirit is as an agent of the Son and the Father. So the Holy Spirit is going out, in a sense, doing the bidding for the Son and the Father and bringing the followers into relationship with the Son and the Father. You see, this works because in the Trinity, there's this reciprocal glory we read John chapter 17, the prayer starts by Jesus saying, I brought you glory on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And then throughout the rest of the prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus continues to use this word glory of how I'll return to your glory, you'll give me glory. So Jesus is getting glory, the Father is getting glory. Glory means greatness or majesty. So in other words, Jesus is saying here, hey, the Son's going to get greatness the Father is going to get greatness. It's reciprocal. It's constantly going back and forth. You see, the Trinity is so close-knit that when one member is honored, all members are honored. Have you ever thought of this before? Some Sundays we come together and we sing a song directly to Jesus. Great are you, O Lord. Worthy is your name. Sometimes singing to the Lamb who sits on the throne. We're singing to Jesus. Well, what's God the Father doing? Sitting there going, uh, excuse me, I'm in charge here. How about some praise my direction? 
The Father knows that when the Son receives glory, he's receiving glory at the exact same time. They're that close together. It's reciprocal glory. So now the Holy Spirit, who sometimes people have come to our church or other churches like ours and said, well, you don't talk about the Holy Spirit very often. There's a reason behind that, and it's very intentional. Historically, we've taught that the Spirit is the silent member of the Trinity. What we mean by that is this. The Holy Spirit is completely equal with the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit is out amongst creation doing what? Getting creation to say Jesus is Lord, bringing glory to the Son and glory to the Father. And then the Spirit is what? Glorified when we bring glory to Jesus. Doesn't get any attention, but still gets glory because the glory is reciprocal. It's not like the Spirit is sitting there going, well, hey, why are you giving all of the glory to Jesus when I gave you the ability to profess faith in Jesus? See, the Spirit is the silent member working among us, bringing about professions of faith so that we bring glory to the Son, the Son brings glory to the Father. That glory is reciprocal. When the Spirit accomplishes the Spirit's work, the Spirit is satisfied because the Spirit was sent here to do what? To testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. When is a spotlight doing the spotlight's job? When you notice the cross that it's lighting up. If you no longer see the cross and all you see is a light, what's wrong? The spotlight is broken. The spotlight does its job when we see that which it is spotlighting. The job of the Holy Spirit is to spotlight Jesus the Christ. And Jesus the Christ brings glory to God the Father. They're one together. And now Jesus is saying, hey, I want my followers to be in that close-knit relationship. That's how intimate God the Father and Jesus want us to be with them. This is, again, absurd. This is crazy that Jesus is praying that we would be one with him just like he is one with the Father. Look with me down at verse 24. Verse 24, Jesus continues, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me. And now go down to verse 26. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus is saying here that he wants to be one with his followers. The king of the universe says, I want to be united right alongside of my followers. That's how intimate Jesus wants to be with you. How about you with Jesus? Are you prepared to be that intimate with God? God the Father and God the Son are so intimate that their will is exactly the same, to bring glory to one another. Are we ready to be intimate with God? Some of us have always kept God at a distance because we've kind of want, we want to say, you know what, I'm a sinner, God's holy and perfect, God up there, and so we, we feel like we've got this false humility then. We're being good church people that we're keeping God's holiness and us sinners set apart, separated. Well, that's true, God's holy, we are sinners. However, God's desire is what? That the relationship is restored. That's why Jesus was sent. Why else would Jesus send his son to die? Why would God allow his son to suffer like that? Because God wanted the relationship restored. It was not just so that a debt could be canceled and the books could be clean, and then we can go back doing whatever we want. 
But God built a bridge to us through Jesus the Son so the relationship could be restored. This morning, God wants to be one with you, united together. It's absolutely crazy, and some would call me a heretic. Father, Son, and follower. We're not divine, but we are invited into the divine relationship. So, one question we might ask ourselves is, how do I know if I'm one with God? How do I know if I'm in this divine relationship? I want to give you some practical help. How do you know if you're one with God? Well, one way of knowing you're one with God is to ask yourself this question. Do I think God's thoughts about certain issues? So when something happens, do I have my thought pattern or do I have God's thought pattern? If I'm one with God and you're so close-knit, I'm going to begin to think about things, see things the way God sees them. And so what? Do you love justice? Do you love mercy? Does your heart break with compassion or anger when something happens? It's just an opportunity to reflect and examine our own hearts. There's no formula to getting one with God, but there is reflection we can use to examine to see if we are one with God. Jesus wants us to be one with him and the Father. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, hey, I want them to be in relationship with us. Jesus also says there in verse 21 that they may all be one. And then it says it in multiple other places there in John chapter 17. Jesus is praying for the unity of the church. In other words, that the followers of Jesus Christ would be in close-knit relationship with one another. Now, this close-knit relationship, what does it mean to be in close-knit relationship? The key phrase there is in verse 21 that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. The just as is the key phrase. Our unity is supposed to reflect the unity of the Father and the Son. Some of us think we're united. We're not united at all. Just because we sign a statement that says we believe in God the Father together or believe in the forgiveness of sins, that does not mean we are united. We are united when we are united in will, and when we are united in love for one another, when we are reciprocating those two things back and forth, that we have the same passions and the same love for one another. That's the unity that God the Father and God the Son have. It's the exact same unity that Jesus wants us to have with one another. Some of us simply have to relearn what it means to be the church. What I mean by that is this. Some of us have been going to church for so long that we think we know how to do church really well. Show up, sit down, sing some songs, go home, give a little bit, participate a little bit here and there. But to be the church the way that Jesus prays for it right here is to be interconnected with one another continually. That when one hurts, all hurts. That when one celebrates, all celebrate. We saw that in 1 Corinthians 12 that was read earlier in the service today. That Paul's laying out this idea of what is the church? The church is a body. That's how close-knit it is, that the body, you can't do one thing to one part and not affect the rest of the body. You affect one part, you affect the whole thing. It's exactly what Jesus wants for his people. He wants us to be one with one another. We've got to relearn how to be community. Now, those old habits are hard to break. I thought for a while there's a pretty simple habit, brushing your teeth, that I had mastered quite well. Well, then I took our daughter to the dentist for the first time. Took her to the dentist, went through the whole rigmarole of trying to get sit in the chair and all of that stuff. We get to the end of the appointment and the dentist is like, okay, let's now teach you how to brush your teeth. 
And so now the dentist was trying to get some bonus points. So the dentist said, well, let's ask your daddy how he brushes his teeth. Thing. I'm thinking, oh, simple. And so the dentist is like, well, how long do you brush for? And I'm like, oh, five seconds here, five seconds there. Good to go. And then by that point, the dentist said, I'll take over the conversation from here. Thing. Then the dentist went on to give her this little timer. It's got the sand coming through. Do you know how long it takes that sand to get to the bottom of the timer? Who's got that much time in their day? There's stuff to be done. But when you do things according to the way the professional recommends that they're done, it's done quite differently than the habit that I've developed over the years. Same is true of us here in the church. We've developed some bad church habits. And that just becomes what church is rather than relearning from the professional or the head, Jesus the Christ. What does Jesus want from us? He wants us to be one with one another. This is the absolute dilemma in our church world today in Sioux Falls and in America. The number one thing people want, for the most part, when they go to church is anonymity. They want to be able to show up and sneak out the back and not be known too quickly or be known at some point. This is the exact opposite of what God desires for his creation. He wants each of us to be known by others and to know others. Now, it doesn't happen instantaneously, but it takes availability and vulnerability to get to the point where we've got community the way that God desires it for us. This morning, Jesus wants you to be one with one another in close-knit relationship together, that when you party, you party together. When you hurt, you hurt together. Tim Keller, did a pastor in New York City, did a survey. He's, he's planted a multiple churches. They've kind of got this thing called the Redeemer Church Network, and they've got churches all over the place. But what they noticed is that people were kind of moving from church to church. And even within the same church, they were moving from site to site, and they could never figure out, why are people just going from place to place all the time? So they did a survey to see what was going on. He was expecting it to be the preaching or music. They've got a different preacher at each place. Some people read the script word for word. Other people are a little more dynamic. They've got different music at each place. Some places have cellos. Some places have electric guitars. It came back that the music and the preaching wasn't the reason people were moving around. The reason people were moving around is because of people. Because of people. People were hurt by someone in that church or people didn't like someone in that church so they went to find somewhere else where they could restart or didn't have to put up with that other situation. We've done this really well in the church. Something happens to us, we wrong someone or someone wrongs us, we push it down, we kind of ignore them, we don't deal with it and then it kind of rears its head later on and so then we go somewhere else where we can start some new one, stuff like that. It's the exact opposite of what Jesus wants in his community. That we would reciprocate love to one another. This love is described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 of what's supposed to exhibit in the church. Love is kind. Love is patient. It does not rejoice in the wrongdoing of another. The love that we're to reciprocate to one another is the love that should heal relationships, not spread relationships. The love that we are supposed to reciprocate to one another is the type of thing that should attract relationships rather than push away people 
from wanting relationships. Jesus has a desire for you. That desire is for you to be one with him and the Father and for you to be one with one another. Very simply, you could put it like this. All of us are supposed to be pieces in the puzzle. What do you do if one piece is missing from a puzzle? I Throw it away, right? Who puts a puzzle together knowing you're missing one or two pieces? Once you know they're missing, it's done. Every piece is critical. The same is true of the church in 1 Corinthians 12. Every member is a part of it, and you need every member in operation. Do you see yourself this morning as a critical piece in a larger puzzle? Are you connected to other people so that what you do affects others and what others do affects you? This last week, I had the opportunity to participate in a little do-it-yourself project. And the beauty was, it wasn't for myself. So therefore, mistakes, whew, that's fine. thing. But, but I'm happy to report, I'm happy to report, no serious mistakes or injuries. What we were doing is we were helping a friend put in this floor that snaps together. It's this floating laminate floor. It's all interconnected. It's like a big puzzle. The problem is this. Once you're off, just an eighth of an inch, which we were never off of an eighth of an inch. I just, imagining this would happen. Thing. You know, once you're off an eighth of an inch and you start to move that one piece, guess what happens for the rest of the floor? The rest of the floor starts to move with it. So you can't just straighten out one piece and be back in order. What do you have to do? Well, I mean, what would you have to do if this happened? Thing. You'd have to what? Start taking out other pieces until you what? Get back to the main problem because it's all interconnected. Once you move one, you move the whole thing. Once you're off by an eighth of an inch in one spot, you're off for an eighth of an inch the rest of the way. Same is true in our lives, or supposed to be true in our lives, that we are so interconnected with one another that what happens to one affects the other, that we do nothing alone, we go through nothing alone. The challenge is this. Most of us have wanted to live in a peanut jar rather than in the Snickers bar the majority of our life. Snickers bar tastes a whole lot better, though. Thing You get all of that goo along with the peanut. Otherwise, peanuts are pretty much worthless, aren't they? Thing Can't put them in brownies. Can't put them in anything else but a Snickers bar. But the moment you get them in that Snickers bar, you got not just a peanut. You got caramel and chocolate. You get the whole deal. But we've trained ourselves to live with something that's a little worse by starting new habits. When I was in high school, I worked for different farmers around the area of our acreage, and one of the farmers I worked for was just kind of an older, older gentleman and just was known as a master do-it-yourselfer. So I used to have a job, they had silos. Silos are where you kept the cattle food. You'd come and you'd turn this crank and it would allow out some of the food. And then there was this bin over here that you'd push a button and out would come pellets or nutrients for the cattle that you'd mixed in with the silage. And so they had it wired where there was a button over here that you'd push for the pellets and then the silo crank was over here. Well, they wired it so you could push a button for the pellets and turn the crank at the same time. And then you'd turn a crank and you'd count and by the time you got done counting, you're supposed to stop with the pellets. Nice system. Well, the system broke. This button stopped working. And after this button stopped working, this button over here stopped working. So what do you do? Well, you should fix it. But not that guy. What does he do? He takes this two-by-four. 
And he sets the two-by-four up on the auger thing, and then he puts this big rubber strap around it and brings the rubber strap down to where you have the crank. So no longer are you pushing a button, but you're supposed to count to 10 as your thing and then pull on this rubber strap to open, open the thing, keep cranking, and now to add to it. You're supposed to count to five for that and count at the exact same time to 10 to this. So you're kind of keeping track of, I'm going, what? Thing? So I just cheated and counted the same for both. But, you're, so you, but after a while, what happened? You just got used to living with this rinky-dink system. It was a whole lot simpler if you just would have fixed the button and could have cranked like this. We've done the exact same thing in our lives. We've set up little rinky-dink systems to make things work, to make things get by, when in reality, the Creator's got a much grander design that we would not just create rinky-dink systems, but rather we'd get down and dirty with one another, that we would fix relationship, that we would live in community with one another rather than ignore and isolate. God's plan for your life is not to live on an island, but to be a piece in a larger puzzle. A single piece of puzzle to someone, I'm sorry, is useless. It has no beauty in and of itself. The real beauty comes when you see the whole puzzle put together. This morning, God wants to put you in a beautiful puzzle. The puzzle is called His church. He wants you to be a piece of it. So today, will you continue to be an island or will you seek to be interconnected to one another, available and vulnerable to build the community with each other so that we're fulfilling Jesus' desire of being one together? Come to the divine banquet and sit at the head table. Experience fellowship with the Father and the Son and fellowship with one another. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks to you today for creation. Lord, thank you for inviting us into relationship with you and one another. God, I ask now today that you would give us the humility, that you would give us the kindness, that we could build healthy relationships right here at King of Glory and extend those relationships outside of King of Glory. Lord, we pray that you would have your way in each of our relationships. Where there is brokenness, we pray for restoration. And I pray this morning now, God, that you would give each of us a hunger and a passion for relationship. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for making us a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.